So first, I just want to say what uh, a privilege and an honor it is to be able to um, get to speak to you guys and get to, to share what God has been, has been teaching me, I feel like, over the, the last five years, which is hard to believe. It's been five years since I, I moved down to Atlanta uh, to be a, a missionary working with the, the refugee population down there. Um, it's crazy. I, me- I mean, I grew up in this church. I remember going to service in the, the old chapel. I remember getting in trouble for causing I don't know, problems up in the, the balcony over there. Um, so it's, it's amazing to see how far, I don't know, what God has done, I guess, in my life to, to bring me to this point to just have the opportunity to, to get to share with you guys. As Rob said, I've been down in Clarkson for about five years. I'm up here for about two months. I'll be taking off in about a week and a half, head back down to Atlanta, jump back down in the, the work down there. Uh, but I've been spending this time to, uh, I've, I guess before I came down here, came back up here, I was kind of praying, God, what is it you want me to do? I know I need to kind of get a break, kind of step away from the, the ministry that's going down there just to, to get refueled. Um, I was looking at getting overseas, wanting to do some trips over there, um, but God really pointed me to this passage in Acts 14 where um, Paul, after his, one of his missionary journeys, he ends up back in Antioch, which is kind of his sending church, and it says that he stayed there for a long time and was just sharing the things that God had been doing among the Gentiles or among the, the internationals, the unbelievers. Uh, so that's kind of what I felt like God was telling me to do for the summer was to come back and spend time with uh, my sending church. Like Rob said, you guys um, are my support base. Um, I'm able to do what I'm doing down there only because of just uh, how amazing blessing you guys have been to me and to the ministry that God is doing down there. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing this uh, last couple months while I've been up here is just really getting to, to share what God has been doing, getting to share what God has been teaching me um, with all of you. Um, so I want to kind of dive in, look at this passage. Um, for the week during church camp, the main focus was this idea of I am. Right? And we looked at the different things that God says about us, what, the script, what God says about us through his word. Um, and that first night on Wednesday night, we focused on the idea of I am created for a reason. Right? And first and foremost, I, like, I want to, I guess, speak that over all of us as, as truth that we are created for a reason. Nothing was by accident. Right? God had a purpose. He had a reason in creating each and every one of us. I want to share a quote from Mark Twain. Uh, he says, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. So just that that idea, we we are born for a reason. I love looking back in Genesis 1 and 2 and just looking at the special care that God took when it came to creating men, when it came to creating men and women, Adam and Eve. He speaks everything into existence, which is amazing in and of itself, right? We would love to have that ability, right? To be able to look at all the yard work and be able to say, done, and it's done, right? Or when it comes to um, making dinner, we would love to just say one thing and the table to be set with a, a four-course meal, right? Or maybe parents, you would love to be able to say something to your children and they obey right away with excitement and joy. All right? We would love that ability to just speak something and it happens. Right? But then when it comes to Adam and Eve, God does something slightly different. He takes a little dirt, a little mud, he handcrafts it, he molds it, and he speaks life into it. That's how we were created, that's how we were born. He says that even now today, that he knits us together in our mother's wombs. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. 
We were created for a purpose. We were created for a reason. And you would think, as a missionary, I'd get up here and I'd be talking about some type of, we were created for a mission. We were created to, to do this and that. Um, but that's not true. That's not the first and primary reason why we were created. John Piper says that missions exist because worship doesn't. Right? Ultimately, that's why we were created. We were created for worship. Right? And I don't mean just the worship that we just got done doing, the, the singing, the praise. That's, worship entails so much more than that. You see God when he's talking to Moses. Right? He speaks to him. He says, hey, come here. I have you on top of this mountain. We were talking this, um, this title, um, just being on the, the peak. He calls us to a peak. He calls us to worship, right? As he speaks to him through that bush, first and foremost, he tells, hey, this is holy ground. I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, I have a mission for you, but my mission is that you call people to worship. My people, I hear the cry of my people who have been in slavery for 200 years. I hear the cry of my people, and I'm ready to bring them back to me. I'm going to send you out. You're going to gather them, and you're going to bring them right back to this mountain because you're gonna, we're going to worship together. Again, this idea that worship is so much more than just the, the singing. What worship really is, is this idea of God's like, I want a relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. That same word that I use to speak everything into existence, I've now put it in a form where you can read it. You can get to know who I am, what I say about you, what I have for you. I've created this, this book for that purpose, for worship. I've created you to worship through prayer. I want you to come and talk to me. Whether you're having a good day, a bad day, everything in between, I want you to bring that to me. I created you for that. I created you to find that fellowship with me. I created you to get excited through that worship and want to go and tell other people about it. Again, that's where missions comes from, is through that overflow, that joy, that worship with God, that fellowship with him. I created you for work, right? Not just the necessarily missions, not necessarily just ministry. I created you to worship through the work that you do, to do your work with excellence, to worship God through that. Right? So this idea, God comes to Moses with a mission. He wants Moses to free his people. He says, I want you to free my people so they can come and worship me at the peak. But unfortunately... Sin likes to, to mess things up. We've seen that since Genesis 3. Sin likes to come in, and in our own lives, it warps our object of worship. We were created to worship something. And if we're not worshiping God, other things are going to take its place. Right? So we may begin to worship sports. Right? That was me. Growing up, I played sports year-round. Played soccer, played hockey, played baseball. My identity was found in sports, right? to the point where I ended up missing a lot of church because I was playing sports. We were traveling around playing sports so often. Maybe for some of you guys, it's music. Whether it's playing an instrument. Um, for me, this has never been a huge struggle. I'm terrible with anything music-related. I mean, some of you might say that I, you, only, you only sing when you're by yourself. I go one step further. I don't even sing to that because I hate the sound of my own voice, <laughs> right? 
So music has never been a huge issue for me. Maybe we begin to, to worship our, our jobs or school, our grades. Those become ultimate. We worship those. We spend so much time and energy focused on achieving those. Maybe it's money or materialism. I know, again, that's even something that still today that I continue to, to wrestle with, to fight through that. Maybe it's family, kids, our friends. We begin to spend so much time and effort and energy focusing in on our family, our, fr- our kids, our friends. They become the most important. They become ultimate. Maybe it's reputation. Right? We want people to think well of us. We want to have a, a good reputation in the community, inside of our churches, in our jobs. We want a, we, a good reputation. We're going to fight for that. I think more so in today's age, one of the, the biggest distractions, one of the things that really causes or brings us to worship is technology, right? Our phones right here. I mean, we can literally do so many things. Like we can do work on here. We can uh, do communication. We do entertainment. Be honest, and I'm one of them. How many of us have our phones sitting right next to our bed, and the first thing we do in the morning is check that? We check Facebook, we check our emails, we check messages, right? That's a, that's a good sign, probably, that that's beginning to, to take up too much time in our lives. When the phone is there, but our Bible is not, that's not the first thing that we go to. And yeah, some of you guys will say that, oh, my Bible's on my phone. Okay, I'll give you that, but how many of that's the first thing that you go to? Right? We begin to worship all these different things. And I want to say these are good things. I'm not saying that these are, are bad, that we need to avoid them. Sports are fine. Music is great. Taking care of our families, taking care of kids is important. But the problem is when we take good things and we elevate them to God things, when we begin to, to worship those, when we begin to find our identity in those, when they become most important. And this is true no matter how long we've been followers of Jesus, whether we don't follow Jesus at this point, or if we've been following for 30, 40, 50 years, these are still things that fight for our attention, fight for our worship. It's a constant battle. But thankfully, God doesn't leave us alone. When we look in this passage, we see that God uses a burning bush to get Moses' attention. He just spent, he's been basically wandering out in the, the desert. He's been working out in the desert for his father-in-law for 40 years after spending time in Egypt. He's been out there. And God gets his attention with a burning bush. And I think God does, he still does that today. He gets our attention. Yeah, it's not necessarily with a physical burning bush. I don't know too many people that have seen any of those that are burning bush and is speaking to them but he still gets our attention through a, a burning bush of some sort. Maybe that burning bush is success at times. You see that echoed from Solomon in Scripture. This is a king that had, it says, more wisdom than anyone ever did or ever will. Under him, the kingdom of Israel got to its largest point. He had more money than anyone uh, could ever want. And yet, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a bit depressing because he says, all of this is vain. To have all this money, to have all of this power, all of these things, 
It's vanity when it compares to knowing God. So there are times, I think, that God can speak to us through our success as that burning bush to get our attention. And Tom Brady's right. There is something more, and that's what God is trying to get our attention to tell us. There's something more. You're meant for more than this world has to offer. Maybe it's not success that God speaks to us through. Maybe at times he uses tragedy to get our attention. The author C.S. Lewis, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I can personally attest to this one. Growing up, going to church, it was, if I'm honest, the boring thing I had to do on Sundays. I didn't want to do it. The fact that we were playing sports, my brothers and I got to, to skip church and go uh, play sports all over the Midwest. Like, I was fine with that. That was great. That was awesome. But it wasn't until right before my junior year of high school when my mom passed away that God used that as a burning bush to get my attention. The last thing that she said to me was, I hear him, I hear him. And wow, was that a wake-up call. All of a sudden, it's like, man, maybe I should give this God thing a try. Maybe I should get involved with church. Maybe I should look into what is it that can cause her to have that type of peace. Right? And now you fast forward to what I'm doing now, I would have called you crazy. Even in, I mean, senior year of high school, I would have called you crazy to, if I would be standing up here and doing what I'm doing, if I was living in Atlanta and doing what I'm doing. God has a plan. He has a, a purpose. He wants us to, to first and foremost worship him, and he uses those burning bushes to call us to that. And so he can use success. He can use tragedy. He can use anything in between. Maybe it's a friend, a family member, a stranger, Whatever it is, God is actively trying to get our attention. But unfortunately, I think some of us, some of us miss it. If you look in Scripture, it kind of looks like Moses almost missed it. It looks like he had to do a double take. He kind of sees a burning bush, and he's like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I should probably go check that out, because it doesn't look like it's being consumed. There's something different about this. And as he approaches, God calls out to him. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us can do that, especially in our culture, we have to be moving 100 miles an hour at all times. We love to be on the go. We get up early, we're going to work, we've got activities after work, we've got church activities, we've got all these different things that we're doing, we cram our schedules full. And yet sometimes I think because of that we can miss what God is trying to, to tell us. And unfortunately, in our culture, I think that there are enough things in the world to keep us entertained, to keep us distracted, that sadly we could go an entire lifetime without actually coming to Christ. Between the entertainment that is available to us, to the, all the different activities that is out there, we can completely miss him if we don't take that time to slow down, to listen to what God is doing, to look for those burning bushes. Right? You might try to tell me, it's like, well, I feel like I'm doing all right. I feel like I'm going, I'm not running that hard, but I, I haven't seen any of these, these burning bushes. I can guarantee you there's one burning bush that God has sent to us. The biggest one is the idea that Jesus came and he died on that cross. That cross is the burning bush that echoes through eternity to get our attention and tell us, hey, I've called you to worship. I've called you to, to be in fellowship with me. 
I love you so much I sent your, my son to pursue you while you were distracted with all of these other things, while you were trying to find happiness and joy and fulfillment in the things that the world has to offer to the things that I created. I still love you. I send my son to get your attention as that burning bush to call you back to me. And I have done everything. I, I love you so much that I've made that way so you can come back to me so you have nothing that you have to do. Come back to this mountaintop. Come and worship me. So just to, to sum it all up, wrap it up, we were created for a reason. We were created to worship, to be in fellowship with God. We were created for that relationship. First and foremost, nothing else goes above that. We were created to worship and be in relationship with God. But then sin causes us to want to worship other things sometimes even ourselves. But then God uses burning bushes in our lives to get our attention, to bring us back to him. And no burning bush is bigger than the, the cross of Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Father, just another day where we can come and be with brothers and sisters and to worship you, to give you the praise that you so rightly deserve. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. We thank you that you have created us for a reason. Father, we confess for the times when we put other things above you, when we make idols out of the things that you created. Um, but Father, we are so grateful that you continue to send those burning bushes to grab our attention, to pull us back to you, to point us back to the one place where we can find that fullness of joy. Father, we just love you and we thank you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.